Friendshiping is proud to be part of the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. We're sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywall. It's just a great podcast app for everybody. Get it for free in the App Store. Hi, it's us. We would like to encourage listeners to get on the good old internet and Google the place where you live plus bail fund or place where you live plus mutual aid fund. Of course, verify these organizations with outside trusted sources, but we hope that if you have a little money to spare right now, you will put it toward a bail or a mutual aid fund in your area. Thank you. I'm Jen. And I'm Trin. This This is Friendshipping! And the theme this week is... The right thing. Do do it. Find it and do it. Figure out what it is. Friendship between humans has many benefits, but sometimes there is drama and you want to call it quits. Don't write nasty subtweets or punch them in the tits. View friendship at the problem. Jen, I've been committing skeleton crimes. I need to know what you mean by that. Crimes of the skeleton. So here's the thing. You know, um, we, you and I, we are the kind of people who, uh, you know, when something bad happens, we dedicate a certain amount of our stress threshold to, <laughs> to trying to help that problem. So I've decided that because we are, I know you and I are trying, and because I know that friendshiping listeners really care about making the world a better place, being a good person, I'm going to trust them that they've been doing the things. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, if you don't want to think about the world for like the next like 10 or 15 minutes while we banter, we've decided we're just going to keep this all lightweight. And the skeleton crimes that I have to tell you about, Jen, take place in the the universe that I inhabit called Animal Crossing. Oh, right. Of course. Naturally. Tell me more. Let's start this this conversation way back in the beginnings of Animal Crossing. So in Animal Crossing, you play a human, a little human villager that people often stylize to represent themselves. However, this little human villager does not have the proportions of a real life person. It's similar to the way the animals in the game are portrayed. You know, there's a a bird in your game, but it's not tiny. It's like, you know, uh, it's stylized to be your size and cartoony. It's very cute. Okay, so just so you know. Now, what's important to also know about this game is that there are skeletons in the game. So like it looks like a model of a human skeleton, but a model of a human skeleton that looks like one of us. Not like your villager. Oh, right. Not like the animals in the game. So I don't know what kind of weird, freaky human creature this actually came from because we're not present in the game. But I find it absolutely fascinating. And therefore, I have about a dozen skeletons scattered all over my island, just like in people's houses, behind trees. There's four in my bedroom because I think it's very funny. Jen, as you know, like, you know, we've all been stressed and I try not to mind my friends for content for this podcast. But uh, And so I, I've been doing this to Stephen for a couple of weeks now and it's finally come to fruition. So I'm fine. I am going to mind this for content. So Stephen, a good friend of mine, also a good Animal Crossing friend of mine, we like to water each other's flowers. We visit each other's islands. And because of this, we are designated best friends on the game. So there's a certain designation you can give to somebody you are close to. And as we discussed on the show, the closer you are to somebody in any video game, the more damage they can do to you without repercussion. And that is what I've been doing <laughs> to Steven. 
Just like real life, your close friends can hurt you the most. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So the first thing that I did with skeleton crimes is, um, so when you go to somebody's island and you're their best friend, you can make holes on their island. And so I, <laughs> I took a skeleton and I buried it in the backyard of his favorite villager. So <laughs> so scary. So that he would go back there and unearth what looks like a fossil in the ground because there are things that are buried in the ground in the right. game. And you, they're usually you like happy things. They're usually like like money or like fossils. No, this was a human skeleton. <laughs> And so, so uh, like, I, th- I want to say the day after, Stephen knew it was me immediately. <laughs> so, like, oh, went, of course. For not even one second did he think, whoa, I, this game did something weird. <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> just, he texts me and he was like, did you bury a bones in my in Hamlet's yard? And I, I think I texted <laughs> Maybe. him back. Maybe. <laughs> I, I think I texted him back something like, um, I don't know why you would come to this conclusion rather than assuming that he that the tiny hamster that lives in your village is a human murderer. But OK. Um, yeah. Way to jump to conclusions, Stephen. So the another skeleton crime I've been doing that uh, I did to Stephen, but I've also been doing to other friends because you don't have to be a best friend for this. And I don't know if they listen to this show and maybe they'll know that I did it now when they hear this. But who cares? It's fine. I'm not worried about it. So the other skeleton crime I do is. The villagers, the little cute animals that live on your island that you take care of and give presents, they have birthdays and they they have birthday parties. And you can go to somebody's island and if their villager is having a birthday, you can give them a gift. And I didn't think this would work, but it did. It worked gangbusters. Oh, no. I wrapped a bunch of skeletons and every time I go to somebody's island, I keep a wrapped skeleton with me just in case one of their villagers is having a birthday and I give all of them skeletons. (laughs) <laughs> and at first, I didn't think it would work because I because all villagers have one of a handful of different personalities, like the jock personality, sisterly, nice personality, normal personality, peppy, etc. And none of them are like the kind that you would think would want to put a skeleton up in their home. But God? they all do. Whoa. Oh, my God. Every oh my time God, I've amazing. given a villager a skeleton, their reaction is, wow, you're so thoughtful. This is so expensive. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. And so Stevens, because, uh, you know, um, the queer community has embraced Animal Crossing. There's no romance in the game, but all of us have a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a they, a they friend on Animal Crossing that we just project this onto. And so Stephen's boyfriend on the island, who's an acute hamster, whose name escapes me. I don't think it's actually Hamlet. I think it's somebody else. I gave him a skeleton. (laughs) So here's the thing about pranking your friends. The thing about pranking your friends is that a prank is funny because it is at least a little inconvenient to the person. I know know that Stephen doesn't really want to see a human skeleton in his boyfriend's house, but it's funny enough to me that it's worth it. So I did it, and and he immediately uh, said, you gave my hamster boyfriend a skeleton. And I said, are you <laughs> sure he didn't just murder a person? <laughs> anyway, uh, he's not really mad. Uh, I'm going to make it up for to Stephen by giving him a bunch of hybrid flowers. But if there's a random skeleton that pops up in one of your villagers' homes, I may have visited. It was Trin. I may it have was been Trin. Me. Oh, my God. I want to talk about this human skeleton thing for a second, because I know what you mean. It's like it's like a skeleton that's standing up like you would expect in like a science or anatomy class or something. And the first time I saw one in the game was when I visited my friend Riley's Island and she set up a skeleton that was like on the rocks on the beach facing the ocean. 
And I think I can't. I think I texted her and I was like, "What's with the skeleton?" Because I had never seen this before. Oh the God. first time you see a skeleton in the game, you're like, "What? What happened here?" And then Riley replied, "She's waiting for her wife." Ah, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Such a good uh, this is this is this is um this is a kids game. Okay." I love it. That's the other thing is that so um, my a very dear, dear, dear friend, Carlin, her uh, six year old is starting to play Animal Crossing. And so long story short, she's she's not visiting my or anybody's island just because it's a it's a whole process like Nintendo chat, this whole thing. But um, I I was like, okay, so here's the thing. I really want your kid to visit my island, but I don't know if she'll think this is creepy or scary. I'm going to send you pictures of everything that is somewhat questionable on my island. And so I took like a set of like a dozen pictures of like the weird shit on my island. Like instead of like, please water my flowers, I have signs that say wet, please, like wet me, please. <laughs> and like, um, you know, there's the my gardens are called the Garden of Blood and like things like that. But it's right, still right. Animal Crossing. Normal things like that. Right. Yep. But it's still cute because it's Animal Crossing, you know. So um, I just had like this set of a dozen pictures of like, you know, things that were like slightly questionable on the line. And as I went through them, I was like, the six-year-old is not coming to my fucking island. This this is not going to happen, is it? And, and indeed, I was correct. It did not happen. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. You know, another thing that this this tweet's been making the rounds, but I think it's funny enough to like post here, which is if you look really closely in the details of like the little like airport for the seaplane. Yeah. Like if you look on the walls, there's like a poster that's like things you can't bring on your plane, which implies that there's been like plane terrorism like 9-11 may have happened in the animal crossing (laughs) (laughs) oh god cartoon 9-11 oh no so like what's with what's with the uh anatomically correct skeleton and what's with this like potential 9-11 you like what like like (laughs) what why are we picking and choosing from the real world for this alternate god that's so funny jen i have one more animal crossing story i'd like to share oh yes please because again like this is like the one pure thing left in my life. I mean, I say pure thing, but like I'm burying bodies in people's yards, but it's fine. As I've mentioned, I love Animal Crossing. I am a writer, blah, blah, blah. So uh, the other day, uh, there was going to be a meeting for uh, the game that I'm helping to write. And I was uh, an hour before I was at the pharmacy. It was just going poorly. You know, people being bad, just bad. It's just like anything that can go wrong at a pharmacy was happening. So, you know, I do the right thing, which is I got on Slack and I talked to my team. I was like, hey, like if it's not too inconvenient for you, can, you, can we bump this an hour? I'm being held up at the pharmacy. And, and I said that very specifically because I knew that like our meeting was at noon and I could get back at 1120, which would be enough time for the meeting. But I would it had been such an unpleasant experience that I knew I needed that like half hour or whatever to cool down so I could be functional and have like an actual productive meeting. Okay, so that's the background. Right, right. Okay. So the first thing I do when I get home from the pharmacy, after having a mild panic attack, is get on Animal Crossing, uh, which is like better than drugs, which I also took. But so Animal Crossing (laughs) was already running. Uh, because typically when I go out for like a short errand, I'll just leave my island open so people can come in, go out. I'll sit on my AFK log because like, you know, whatever. So anyway, I'm on Animal Crossing. My island's already running. And one of my coworkers who is going to be at the meeting that I punted an hour is on my island. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. 
fine. It's actually it's fine for so many reasons. Like we're both taking a break. We bumped the meeting. And honestly, it would have been fine even if she saw me playing Animal Crossing during the meeting because it's such a low impact thing on your brain. It's like it's fine, whatever. But like I'm not in my right mind. So I'm just I'm so embarrassed that I'm caught playing the game. Uh, and I'm, I'm not even on my little AFK log. Uh, I'm like, I'm like right by the store or something like that. And I'm active play, actively playing during what should have been meeting time. Oh, I'm beating myself up about this. So I just put the switch down and I didn't look at it again for two hours because that's just what made sense to me at the time. Um, and then two hours later, when I was back in my right mind, I imagined what this might have looked like from her perspective, which was she's having a nice time watering my flowers. It's like 1130. And she walks up to my cute little cartoon person and suddenly I stop moving and play dead as though she is a bear. <laughs> and then I don't move again, <laughs> you know? And, and like, I, I feel so bad because like, I, I say I feel bad, but that's, I don't feel bad. I just kind of feel like, what a wacky, like sitcom neighbor kind of situation. That is so funny. You know? She, yeah. So like, does your little avatar do anything if you leave it alone long enough? Does it like fall asleep or does it just stand there and blink? It just stands there and blink. That is so wonderful. So I was just, I think, yeah, I was standing right outside the little clothing store, completely still. She had walked up to me and the moment I saw her, I was just like frozen. And it was just like I was playing dead. Anyways, I feel like we haven't heard much from you. If you would like to mention a delightful story from your life. Not a story, just a little anecdote. I posted a, a couple weeks ago, I posted a photo, and I think I mentioned on the show too that my basil was not doing great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and someone replied and said, that's that thing is dead. And oh. uh, and I was like, okay, I asked for a prayer circle. Um, <laughs> so I didn't ask you to declare, I didn't ask you to, de you know, declare time of death, right. but whatever. We're still uh, hoping um, for resurrection but, here. We're hoping for a last minute divine intervention. And I think she's making a turnaround. <gasps> Truly. Hey. Yeah, she's bright. She sprouted a couple leaves and she's bright green again. Boom. Um, when I'm back, when I'm when I'm feeling up to sharing on Twitter, I'll post a photo because I, I don't want to jinx it at this point. But she looks good. I think we have a we have a little uh, we have Basil. Basil's coming back. Oh, base. We're so happy to hear from you. Thank you. Trin, you were the only one that told me like, I don't know, don't give up. She might come back. And you're totally right. Everyone listen to Trin. Yeah, thank you. I mean, not all the time, but sometimes. So sometimes. here we go. Here's the transition. Sometimes I don't do the right thing, which is burying skeletons in people's yards. <laughs> sometimes I do the right thing, which is I don't give up on Jen's basil. Everybody is a mixed bag of uh, triumphs and mistakes. And this question is about exactly that. Do you want me to read it? Yes, I would love this. Good morning. I was curious if you would be willing to share situations in your personal experience where you didn't do the best or right thing the first time around and how you fixed it if you did. Thank you. Name of person and her nine-year-old and 13-year-old. I love it. I'm so glad that you let your nine-year-old and your 13-year-old listen to this show despite our cursing because here's the truth here. They've heard all those words. <laughs> yeah, they definitely have. Don't use them, especially nine-year-old. You can get in actual trouble. 13-year-old, I think you might be okay. Don't, well, listen, yeah. listen to your Yeah, I think you might parents. be okay. Okay, so doing the right thing. This is a very fraught topic right now because here's the truth. Nobody knows what the fuck to do. And this is because the right thing is constantly evolving. The right thing to do now is not necessarily the right thing to do in the future. There are so many well-meaning people who will pick up what they think the right thing is and then latch onto that and then not challenge it in the future. 
I think a really good example of this is in the 90s when when I was growing up and Jen was still in the womb. (laughs) Saying I don't see color was like the thing to do. It was just like, oh, yeah, black, white, everybody's the same. And we know now that that's a dismissive thing to say, you know, that the experience of a black person is so different from that of a white person in this country that saying I don't see color is is actually a a shitty thing to add into the discourse. But I do believe in my heart that many people who heard that picked that up was like, oh, oh, that makes people feel comfortable. Okay, cool. That's the ideology I'll pick up. You know, I, I think that that happens. And so regardless of all the shit we go through today. The main takeaway from this is you are going to always make mistakes. And the best way to do the right thing is to make sure that your right thing is always evolving with new information. Yes. Information that changes hourly right now, it feels like. And I understand the impulse that people feel when they want to rush to an answer because things feel urgent because they are urgent. Um, Police brutality and murdering a black Black people is an urgent problem that needs an urgent fix. So people want to follow their first impulse to give money or show up or post something on social media. And sometimes you will post the incorrect thing, the thing you didn't mean, or you won't verify your sources or give money to to something that's not a cause that's not actually helpful, you know, because in the moment, it feels like I have to do something right now. In those moments, it's really useful to look toward people that have been doing the work forever, for much longer, you know, like people with legal degrees, people that have been working at civil rights organizations for a long time, I understand why it feels so pressing that you do and say when really what you should be like maybe taking a beat and listening before you take your yeah, first action. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the question was specifically, can you share some situations where you didn't do the best or right thing? And I, oh yeah, oh, yeah of course. Yeah, we can. Um, are we going to share the most embarrassing times that we've fucked up? Of course not. No, no, like, no. That's too personal. That's between me and my therapist and my brain yeah, later. Like, at night. I mean, Do I cringe hourly thinking of things that I have fucked up? Yes. Yes, I have. It's not helpful, you know, (laughs) to just like self cringe all the time, you know. Um, But like, yeah, we have plenty of like teachable moments. The first thing I thought of was something that I don't ultimately think of as a mistake, but I think is a good example of like evolving doing the right thing. So a few years ago at PAX South, uh, this gaming uh, expo in Texas, we were beginning to first feel the swing of of the Trump administration. And there was some, I believe, uh, travel bans put in place while we were at this gaming convention. And so a bunch of us put together uh, this quick protest where we we were like, OK, let's go. Let's go hang out by the senator's office, make our point and move on kind of thing. And it was great. It was a great experience, honestly. Uh, people showed up in cosplay. People had funny signs and things like that. And these days, that's not helpful. Back in the day, it used to be you want to show your face and you want to like, you know, say this is this is who I am. This is what we're doing, because we want to be clear that our our views of not wanting these travel bans, of, you know, wanting to fight against racism. We don't want that to seem underground. We want to show solidarity by showing our faces. But since we have, you know, a Nazi president and a bunch of Nazis that agree with him, like in power, we have to go stealth. And while I don't regret posting pictures of myself with my protest signs, it used to be helpful to have a funny protest sign that gets shared on the Internet. And now, boom, people now know it's not fucked up to think these things or whatever. I still wouldn't do that now because things are really different. And my behavior has absolutely changed, you know. 
like I went to the to the women's march. I think I went to two of them, which I don't disagree with the women's march. Um, I didn't love seeing pussy hats. And, and you know, you can go ahead and Google right, why right. that was not so helpful. But protest is very different. And I, I don't think I would return. Jen, do you want to do you want to take take the wheel? I got all the I got all their fuck ups. <laughs> I feel like I'm fucking up all the time. Um, but but one I one I do remember is uh, a couple years ago, a couple summers ago, I was having some people over at my in my backyard for a bonfire. I think it was a bonfire. We were like we were having some drinks and just hanging out. And it's kind of like what I, we would be doing right now if, if it, that were possible. And someone there had brought his girlfriend and she was not from the United States, but she was white. And the other women there other than me were not white. And uh, the evening drew on and we were what came up in the conversation was uh, this this white woman discussing how she had lived a life similar similar to people of color and specifically black people because she wasn't from the United States. Oh, it was such a yikes. And I was shocked. And the other women there were doing immediately were like, no, this is why you're incorrect. This is why you're incorrect. And what I didn't want to do, I didn't say much because I didn't want my whiteness to take over this conversation. But I have regrets now that I should have said mm-hmm. more. I should have spoke up because this is why it was my house, you know, like I was hosting the event. And I think I had a little special responsibility there to be like, what you were saying is incorrect and harmful. And I, we, we don't hang out with this person anymore. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. I'm shocked. Um, but I know now that I'm like, I, I think... By not wanting to make things worse, I certainly wasn't making things better. And like, and Jen, that's a hard position to be in because I also think that your initial instinct was correct to not step on the words of the nine right. non-white women there. Right. And I think that there will be times where the right thing is is a bunch of different things, or the right thing is is impossible. You know, like it it can sometimes be a matter of. Either I'm going to veer to make the mistake in this direction and talk too little, or yes. I might veer in this direction and talk too much. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly an, an alternate universe where we're recording this podcast and I'm saying, and now I look back and I realize yep. I talked too much and I centered myself. So like, I don't know that I could have made the situation better, but I, I do know I didn't walk away feeling great about that I had supported my friends. And, you know, that's just one small example in, a, in the sea that we're all, you know, that we're all trying to swim in right now. I'm just really glad that you brought up that specific example because it's such a good example of sometimes the impossibility of the right thing. It really is take in information and do the best you can and whatever you do, learn from it for the next time. So now you you might right, talk right. more being a host, but you also like did the right thing by allowing your other friends to speak their views and maybe even speak their views first. I mean, like maybe the next time it's a I'm going to I'm going to provide the in conclusion in this fucking house kind of thing, you know, I don't remember what the next few weeks or months unfolded in our in like that friend group with that particular person. We didn't mm-hmm. see her very much. But I think the biggest thing like, I can't remember if I ever had the choice to invite her over again, but I, I truly don't. Like, I don't think I had a bonfire the rest of the summer where, where she yeah. would have been included. But I think the lesson there is you no longer invite right. this person. You, and that's it. You took information. You learned no, no to this ingredient in our bonfire recipe. One of the things uh, happening recently that I thought was a really good example of people trying to do the right thing but not quite sure what to do and like, you know, the awkwardness of feeling that out was the blackout posts, which I think were primarily on Instagram and also on Twitter. And Jen, if you could uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, because uh, it it was very brief. 
the idea was to post a big blank kind of black square on social media and then tag it with like blackout posts or black lives matter to show your support blackout tuesday i think was the hashtag and i don't know yeah i don't know if the initial call to action included hashtag black lives matter but that is what happened and that was what became part of the problem right 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 so i think it it sounds like it was it was a multifaceted issue and people were probably just not fully thinking through exactly how this might affect things because i believe and let's just tell everybody what the solution ended up being before we get into this too much but the solution ended up being if you post the post don't use hashtags that are being used for other communication and protests yeah exactly like you you should not clog the black lives matter hashtag right now it's for educational purposes it's for organizing you don't want to drown out black voices and we know that now um and i i didn't participate um this was like the one so like i I'm I'm trying not to like shit on myself too much here and be like, oh, she's such a screw up or whatever, because that's not true. Like I'm trying my best. And sometimes I do, you know, cringeworthy shit or whatever. But this was a time where I did notice people kind of fumbling around to do the right thing. So here are some things that I that I picked up. If you are in the situation where you're trying to figure out what the right thing to do is, if you are seeing a bunch of people doing something and you're like, oh, should I participate? Here's some steps to go through. So the first thing is to assess your mental state. The first thing is do your meta thinking, your metacognition, which is keep in mind that you are feeling feelings and those feelings are around really to make you act without thinking. And that's not such a horrible thing. You know, isn't it kind of great that your first instinct is to help and join in? That's great. But those feelings aren't always correct. So the first step I would say is to uh, when you see the thing and you feel the thing, Remind yourself you are feeling the thing and then take a short step back. That first feeling you have is going to be powerful, but you also got to make sure you're applying patience and logic and researching from the people who know more because those people are out there and they exist. And this can be Googling or it can be waiting a little bit or it can be checking Twitter. I wouldn't ask your friends who are black to educate you in that moment. Right. I think there, there may be times where you can have discussions with them where you learn a lot, but never forget that it is a privilege to be educated about racism rather than to live it your entire life. Absolutely. Review. Uh, feel your feelings. Feel them. Feel them real hard. And then research. Do your dang research. And what, what else would you say, Trin? So I think at that point, you can do the thing or don't, you know, because... Th- There's only so many steps you can actually do before you do the thing. Like one, you think about it, uh, you feel about it and you research about it and then you either do it or you don't. And and that's that's okay. Um, But there's there are steps to go after you do or don't do the thing. Even if you don't do the thing, keep listening, especially if you do the thing keep listening because maybe you were wrong. (laughs) You know, maybe you thought the thing was helpful and it wasn't or vice versa. And now you got to go do that thing late, you know? Right. Um, Like, here's a good example. Um, It is absolutely helpful to donate to your local bond fund. And it's never a bad thing to do. However, a lot, and obviously check your own local bond fund and mutual aid funds, as we said at the top of the show, so many of these organizations are getting so many donations that they have begun to direct people elsewhere. And the act of having to um, divvy out surplus funds is extra work for that organization to do. So it is really helpful to not overload them with donations. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing is like, even if you do something that is unequivocally great, which is give away your money, you do have to still keep listening, which then brings us to apologize or don't, which, Jen, I would love to talk about this. Yeah, please do. I don't think 
that every single white person who did one of those all black blackout posts and used the wrong hashtag needs to like apologize. I don't think that that that's necessarily helpful. They were clearly trying to do the right thing, which doesn't absolve them. But most of the time, it is better to just correct yourself and move on, because sometimes apologies just serve to remind the wounded that they've been hurt by you. So you have to decide what what is the what do we get? out of apologizing. Who who gains from this? And if it's just your feelings, then you might not want to. But if you do want to apologize, if it is appropriate, I would say make it quick. Uh, whoops, shit, thought this would be helpful and it was not. I'm going to do more research next time. Okay, bye. Probably something you know better than that. Um, I like that a lot, actually. I mean, you got to ask yourself who the apology is really for, yes. you know? Yeah. Uh, like, hey, I did this thing. It wasn't helpful. Don't be like me. That is way more helpful because it's also not just centering I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm looking for absolution here. It is centering like, oh, hey, can you use me as an educational example of what not to do? Because we all do that occasionally. We are all the shitty like example. We're all the bad example occasionally. And pointing that out, I think, is probably the most helpful way to issue, issue an apology. And then, you know, you go back to the to the piece of advice we just gave you, which is keep listening. It's not over. The right thing is going to change. Uh, the place that needs the money, the place that needs the volunteering is going to change. So keep your, your ears open. Even if you did post the black square and you tagged it correctly and you donated to a bail fund, it's, you're not done. You're never yeah. done. Learning how to treat people well, this is a lifelong enterprise. You know, you're going to have to do this work forever. Yeah, absolutely. And like in and, and the work, half of the work is listening, especially if you are not part of that marginalized group. There are so many challenges to doing the right thing. And I think another a component of um, like kind of fucking up or whatever is we are all concerned about how people react to us. Of course we are. We want to check off every box. You know, an example of this would be I, I see a lot of posts that are like, I know posts like this are preachy and self-righteous, but I had to stand up. If you are afraid of sounding preachy or self-righteous, don't make the post, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like, I, people, yeah. like I would say like that's a mistake. And obviously, like a forgivable mistake, but that's a mistake in that I think one, you're putting the idea into people's heads that other people are doing this wrong and you're doing this correctly. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, yep. if you're good, if you're going to say your fears, at the beginning of your post, say instead, I'm really worried that you guys are going to think I'm a cringe worthy, creepy, self-righteous dick. But I feel like I need to talk anyway. Like, that's the caveat you really that's, mean. That's the honest take. Yeah. Right. Which is fine. Like, I mean, man, if it makes you feel better to have that little disclaimer at the beginning, center it on yourself. Don't center it on all the crappy posts you saw. Those people went out on a limb to talk about something that they felt would be made easier if they helped to to uh, spread that message. You know, they tried. <laughs> and yeah. so to shit on everybody else when you start your post is I just feel like the wrong move, even though, again, I really do think it's mostly in like self-preservation. I think thinking about things as how you look is often not as helpful as framing things as to what's a piece of information that I want people to know kind of thing. I know it's very natural for your instinct to be like, how am I coming across? Right. Am I coming across as preachy? Everyone's going to have those thoughts. I get it. But is that the message that you want to share? 
And, you know, as we're as we're thinking about this trend, there were a lot of people understandably dunking on the black squares yesterday. Yeah. And um, I also had a lot of friends that posted it and they also tagged it correctly. So, like, you know, oh, yeah. if, and if they hadn't, I probably we probably would have been mentioned in the group chat like, hey, I just read that. Um, make sure you're tagging this correctly so you're not disrupting the Black Lives Matter tag. And that's an example of like, we need to help each other, you know, like in my like friend group, that's white people. We need to call each other out and point out when we're making a mistake. But anyway, I wanted to get what, one thing I wanted to mention that you wrote in here, Trin, is you're going to have to and you should listen and pay attention to the jokes that are being made at your expense. Yeah. Oh, God, because nothing feels it's so worse. important. I know, but it's so important. It's so it important. Is. It's going to hurt and it should hurt. It's like nothing compared to the real suffering that's happening. OK, so like when when jokes are being made at your expense, I know you may feel defensive, but what you are seeing is the language of people venting. You're seeing the language of a hurt community. And you can learn from that without engaging, without defending yourself, especially because you you probably feel hurt too. But like you tried hard to do the right thing and you fucked up a little bit and it's going to happen. It's it, it's going to happen. OK, it's going to happen. The example that I used from earlier is that the way that I protested changed, you know, and I mean, it changed because I saw that the activist community was like, stop fucking posting pictures of people's fucking faces you know what i'm saying oh right yeah Which right makes sense they were venting and scared and sad i think what you're getting at Trin, is there are risks to attending protests yes and yeah. those risks are not new but they're different and they're more widely wielded like in the past like you would look to like the leaders of a protest or whatever. And now it's like, holy shit, cover up all of your tattoos with gaffer's tape before you go out to a protest because you don't want people to even know that you were there kind of thing, which is like a lot. And it's a lot to take in right now, you know, but like we have to be honest about what we're coming up against. But I had to listen to the jokes at my expense, you know? Right, right, and, right. And if I hadn't heard that, if I had said, I'm going to tune out this venting because it is it is hurtful to me and I feel sad and I cringe at my past behavior, I wouldn't have learned. So, you know, it's something I, that we touch on a lot, which is holding two seemingly very opposite concepts in your mind at the same time. So one concept is I, the main character, I'm just trying my best with the information I have. And then the other idea that is equally true is I did do the wrong thing. Yes. Yeah. And you have to accept that both of those things exist and are true. Is that what cognitive cognitive dissonance is? Oh, is it is a is? very good example of cognitive dissonance. Yeah. yeah. And it's into someone who is anxious, like Trin, you and I have both have anxiety disorders. Holding those two thoughts in your mind can be very paralyzing. It can be really it hard. It can be it can be very hard to live when you already don't like yourself very much yeah. <laughs> to, to handle. <laughs> yeah. It's true to handle those two thoughts. But it is a privilege to be educated by the world uh, in this way, as opposed to having to live through it or suffer through it. Right, right, right. Like I got to learn that taking pictures of people's faces at protests was not great before it was an enormous security risk, <laughs> you know, yeah, because I listened. Yeah. And the pussy hats thing I brought up earlier because um, like I whenever I saw like a dude with a pussy hat on, like there was this great picture of Nick Offerman going around with like a pussy hat on. And and it delighted me. So I was like, oh, my gosh, look at this hyper masculine dude that everybody thinks is like the dudeliest. And he's coming out for the, the ladies, you know. Um, but, you know, and it didn't hit me then because as a as a, a woman, a non-binary woman, it didn't really hit me immediately that something that harkens to phenotypically female anatomy would make trans women feel un, unincluded. Yeah. Um, 
And and my initial reaction was like, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this horrible thing, Jen. My initial reaction was like, oh, I think we should all get over it. Chill. I mean, yeah, I know, I understand. It, yeah, because at the time I was like, well, this isn't really about the vagina. It's a reference to how angry we are at the leaked Trump tapes that he said, oh, you grab them by the pussy sort of thing. But ultimately, it's not worth it. It's not worth making that reference if it makes some of our most vulnerable, marginalized groups feel unincluded. So, yeah. So it was is it a, a bad, horrible, evil, criminal thing to wear a pussy hat to have worn a pussy hat ever? No. But we know better now, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. My example of that in my personal life is I used to, a couple of years ago, refer to women as people that had periods or I would make like a joke like, yeah, we're all our periods are sticking up women's periods like, you know, just like, yeah, like you do. Um, but I and I knew then that like obviously not all women have periods, but I didn't understand the significance of why the joke you're making is actually not great. It's not inclusive and why you shouldn't do it. So like I had the information, but I wasn't really listening to the information. When you are given a cue or a friend educates you or takes time to be like, hey, what you said is, is not cool or this is not helpful or um, here's why I think you should rethink this. Please remember that is a gracious act. It, I know yeah. it probably doesn't feel gracious in the moment because no, no one likes being told what they're doing is wrong, especially when they think they're doing their best. But I really encourage you to do the difficult but right thing, which is listen and not jump to conclusions, not immediately jump to your own defense. Because like you have your you have your sunglasses on, you have horse blinders on to so many things you don't to communities that you will never be part of and you'll never be able to fully understand. This has been Friendshiping. You can follow us on Twitter at Do Friendship, at Jen Dangerous, at Trinitonic. You can send us a question via email. It can be um, uh, it can be a long, specific question. It could be a short, broad question like the one we answered today. It always depends on our mood, what we're going to talk about. We don't know. Uh, email us. We have no idea. We couldn't tell you if we tried. But you can still email us at friendshippingpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Ian Parman for editing. Thank you to Monica Verma for being our agent. Thank you to Lauren Gallagher for all of her design work. Thank you to Alex Cox, our podfather and audio daddy. Thank you to Molly Lewis for our wonderful theme song. And thank you for listening. You're welcome for talking. Do friendship at the problem. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I need to know what skeleton... You teased me before the show on what a skeleton crime was, and I had yeah. to know. <laughs>